He came into this world like a comet. Lights flashing, wind snapping, smoke in the sky. The meteor touched down in the tiny hamlet of Hibbing, Minnesota. As a teenager, he pickpocketed the name of a poet, picked up a guitar, and made for New York City. There he sat by the bed of a dying bard. Then he holed up in the public library, reading newspapers from the Civil War. When he walked into Columbia Records, he was Bob Dylan, and the world has never been the same. Apart from the fact Dylan's new record just dropped, is that every once in a while, a figure comes along who is so towering that an entire medium gets a line drawn across it, before and after. And so it was with the subject of the documentary, The Alpinist. Marc-Andre Leclerc was cut down long before he got to become a wise old man, but he was already a legend when he died. As Rutger Hauer said in Blade Runner and Lao Tzu before him, the flame that burns twice as bright burns half as long. And so it was with Marc-Andre, who changed the sport of climbing forever. In today's episode, I speak with the filmmakers behind The Alpinist, a classic of the genre and a nearly perfect film. Without further ado, I give you a conversation with Nick Rosen and Peter Mortimer. All right, Nick and Peter, welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad to have you guys here. I loved this movie. Wow, Tiller, thank you. It's an, it's an honor. Um, tell me, I, I, I've got 10,000 process questions that I'm, I, I will ply you with as we go, you know, over the course of it. But kind of tell me the origin story um, in terms of how this film comes into being and, you know, the collaboration of you guys together, the finding of Marc-Andre. And I love, uh, let me just also add that I loved the meta nature of the movie, the fact that like the making of the film is folded into the film and it. And and I love the kind of like personal narrative. I, I love Peter's narration. And it was this hybrid of all these really interesting documentary forms and genres that we've seen and, and yet sort of blended into this very unique original vision. And I just thought it was magnificent. So how the hell did this come into being? Um, yeah, well, thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, we, uh, you know, we make climbing films we've been in this world for for almost three decades now and we just we're climbers we know this world and we're always looking for you know those those amazing characters like the outstanding athletes and the people with their own unique vision and we heard about mark andre through some friends who were you know really like some elite sort of underground climbers and they're like dude this guy mark andre he's he blows away everyone that you've been filming lately. And this is the uh, guy. You know, right. Nobody knows about him. And so we just started this journey of tracking him down and sort of getting to know him and building some trust. And, um, you know, I think we're like, at, at the time, we were like twice his age. Mm -hmm. um, but he'd watched a bunch of our films. And, sure. You know, he'd been inspired by our films, I think. And um, yeah, so that's 
it just started that that process of so, okay know, so let me let me let me let me dive in with a couple of questions which is and a comment which is you know over the course of the lifetime that you guys have been you know making these movies there's been this thing where there's been kind of a convergence to the mainstream, right? Like suddenly these this this film is a, a a genre film and there is suddenly like this huge market for it, you know, and I don't know whether that begins with touching the void or, or sort of where it is, but suddenly like it it and of course it makes sense because you're dealing with sort of life and death stakes at life, you know, peak experiences, life at its most extreme. And I think also, and this really animates this movie is you've got this young guy. And I loved the kind of quote at the beginning of it, where it's like, this guy's like out of time. He belongs in the like nineties or something like this, you know? And, and it, and it was, and so there's this con interesting convergence of, of of influences here, and and even from those opening credits, I, I guess is a specific question. You know, it's Universal Pictures and Red Bull, which is like a strange, <laughs> unholy combination. You know, just to see in 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 the opening credits, like how does the collaboration of those entities? How much are you beginning with? You know, like how does the, how does how does it get birthed from that genesis of idea of you get the whispers of like oh, this guy is amazing and this is going to be an amazing story to kind of putting together the partners and partnerships to take this into the big world. Yeah, I'll just, I'll chime in again and then just because I kind of deal with this stuff more and then I'll let Nick talk. But um, we, uh, you know, we had done the Dawn Wall with Red Bull Media House, which was our last feature film before The Alpinist. And we just had a good relationship and built a lot of trust over there. And so we were, you know, they wanted to do another film project with us. And we basically came to them and said like, hey, this is, you know, we have this this idea that we feel is a really big film. And so they got behind it and supported us and just really let us do our thing. And then- um, and what are you, what they, are you, what, what are you pitching at that point? Like when you come in, how much of it is just sort of verbal kernel of an idea? Here's the guy or how formal is it? Or is it just like, Hey, the last one was dope. Let's make another movie. What do you guys want to do? It was, it's somewhere in between there. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty, it was pretty loose. We went, I went out and met Mark and, and shot a little bit with him. And then uh, we showed that to those guys just i shot some in like a little like 10 minute interview with him and we were like look at this guy like you know and just you kind of capture some of his his rawness and um yeah i mean we, they were just like hey if you guys think you know this is a big story we 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 trust you on that and then um it just it, we didn't know it wasn't like um he didn't have a big objective or something like the dawn wall or right solo. right so we didn't know where it was going to go and we just we liked that though we wanted to just you know kind of capture this this wolf in the wild and and just let the journey go i mean it took us years and years to make this film i think it was like six five six i don't know many many years from yeah. when we first sort of yep. started working on it 
So talk about this, because I think this is a really fascinating piece of it, too, is there is like you you can feel we the audience can feel you guys sort of stalking him as a subject and sort of the the dance that happens. Right. And the kind of squirreliness of of like, OK, I'm, I'm glad you guys are here. But at the same time, I'm just happy to go like I'm happy to go dance away and I'm doing what I'm doing. Talk about navigating that both, I guess, the kind of interpersonal politics of the wooing and also the like, I have to imagine you guys are pulling your hair out being like, dude, the center of our movie just vanished off the face of the earth. Like, how do you navigate that? Yeah, it it did become a a pretty complex dance uh, because, um, you know, on the one hand, like we're dealing with uh, a sport that you know, is really quite dangerous, um, you know, in if it's not done with incredible care and um, not done for the right reasons. And so um, our modus operandi, Pete and I, throughout the years has been just, okay, let's just find someone who's got a passion and who's really on their own program and is pursuing that for very pure reasons and um, just jump on board. And, you know, we never tell anyone what to do. We're not trying to force anyone into any kind of a situation like that. Um, So we're very sort of like, you know, following people's lead. Mm -hmm. And Mark was such an elusive character Mm -hmm. from the beginning. you know, he he had very little sort of, you know, uh, dreams of celebrity or even, you know, film almost the, almost the opposite like in some way. Right. Like if yeah. you could feel him sort of skittering away from the like limelight and the kind of commercialization yeah. and fame. And anyway, I didn't yeah. mean to interrupt. Go ahead. No, no, absolutely. And but, at, you know, and so we had to be careful of that. And and but at the same time, like it was also an incredible draw for us, um, you know, to find a character you know alpinism his sort of his, his his discipline is this you know decades old century old discipline that really is very much about you know uh philosophy and you know you could just go uh you know build a staircase up the side of a mountain or an escalator and do it that way but it's very much about how you do it the minimalism with which you do it and the purity and intent of purpose that you bring to it. It's a, a, a thinking man's discipline. Um, and yet, as you say, like climbing has entered this commercial age and, you know, climbers have big uh, business contracts and agents and stuff like yep. that. And it's something kind of Pete and I have been feeling um, a little bit and also yearning for that uh, purity that we kind of started out with um, in making these movies when climbing wasn't so sexy. Um, and so we were really drawn to that, obviously. The, 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 it was like the more he ran away, the more we were like, oh, man, this is our guy. <laughs> right, right, yeah, right. Like, this, this is, is the one. This is the kind of person that we want to be to be highlighting. So it, there's some irony there. And how much are you kind of doing the dance? Uh, You know, I'm accustomed to, you know, in the, you know, and I do like a lot of crime films and that kind of thing. Right. And there is, there's a similar amount of wooing where it's like, okay, tell me about the time you like bought the submarine from the Colombians and ripped off whatever. And so there is this, you're doing this kind of spider like dance to kind of where you're saying, Hey, this is going to be done in a loving, nuanced, thoughtful, multidimensional way. And, and yet at the same time, there also is this element of kind of the performance of self that happens, right? Like you've got to get people in the zone where they can really 
be who they essentially are. And and I think what's really interesting about about this film is, you know, when he is most in the zone, it's completely um, nonverbal, and sometimes it's in places like where, where the where, you know where if he you know skitters off and you know is climbing uh, you know some amazing place that you guys aren't aware of. And I think that that there's a particularly brilliant thing that you guys did, and I want to talk about kind of how you manage this is. You bring on all these amazing voices, right, of other people who are kind of articulating the, I guess, the sort of precision and dangers and and sort of love and drive and beauty of what the sport is. And it's kind of like, in a way, they're filling out the portrait of who this guy is. And also, it gives you a method to document the lineage of it. So so talk about like, using the, the blend of voices to, 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 to fill that out. Yeah, so I think initially when you were asking Pete about um, how this all sort of began and how we were pitching it, um, I remember, you know, before we really started working with Mark in depth, like Pete said, we didn't know where it was going. We didn't know much about this guy yet. And so we were almost thinking of it um, as a um, maybe a little bit more weighted towards this, uh, the, the survey of history of this incredible discipline of alpine soloing and and solo alpinism and so we you know we i think we did maybe 35 interviews for the film with all sorts of luminaries of the sport um you know obviously reinhold mesner made it into the film but many others like conrad anchor um, you know did not make it into the film because we were talking with so many people about the philosophy and the history and sort of the um the 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 evolution of the sport and we really looked to mark as almost the the, the, the ultimate like modern exponent of yep. that, you know, of that sport. And so um, when we, the more time we spent with Mark, the more we were just like, oh my gosh, like this guy is actually, you know, forget the last hundred years of history. Like this guy is- He's, ma- he's making history now. Some of those, yeah. yeah. And so some of those more ancillary voices you know, fell away. Those that had an attachment to Mark, uh, like uh, Barry Blanchard, a famous Canadian alpinist, or who had even just glimpsed him on a climb one time and had a, an, a, an idea about him, ended up staying in the film. And um, so it ended up being much more personal of a sort of chorus of voices that we that we saw. Uh, okay, that, that's really interesting. I can imagine that that pivot in the edit, right, where it's suddenly like, okay, if the story's not touching him in some way, way or another, no matter how, like how much of a luminary the interview subject is or how appropriate it is, it kind of has to fall by the wayside. Talk talk about kind of protecting that, you know, the edit. And I think, you know, as you were saying, uh, um, Pete, like the, um, the ability to do to do this over a long period of time gives you the opportunity to change your mind. Okay, it's not a survey film. Okay, it's pieces of a survey film, but they tie to this guy. And 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 you know how the hell are you able to continue it? Um, you know, for that long duration and how hard is it to make those decisions in the edit? Okay, forget the film we thought we were making. Now it wants to be this. Yeah, I mean, I think a couple of things like. A lot of those interviews that ended up in the film too, like they were filmed while we were out filming Mark, like following Mark. Like, so when we went up to Canmore, 
and he was just in the middle of this tear. I mean, he had already done a bunch of stuff and then we caught up with him there. And then, you know, basically we were out there filming with him for a few weeks and in our off days, you know, we would see like locals posting on social media, like what the hell's going on here? And so we, you know, we line up an interview and they just had that like fresh, like wide eyed, like I haven't seen anything like this, like this is happening right now. Um, so some of that I think really helped just sort of track Mark's journey as well, it, it unfolding. It, it kind of it gives it a present tense feel where you're seeing like the sort of like, you know, the wide eyed reactions of all these people like, holy shit, and it's happening right yeah. now. And so you're pivoting from this kind of historical portrait to, okay, now we're in the moment to now, you know, and then sort of as new objectives get get sort of put into it, 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 it like you keep changing where the film is going in this super fascinating way yeah and then i think the big pivot in the film was when we introduced my voice my narration and us as a character um chasing mark and that happened much much later when um you know i can't remember the exact timeline now but i think it was after like tragedy struck and we were still hoping to film more with mark and um just like the more like interviews and lifestyle and stuff and we just felt like we needed to def i mean mark is so defined in some ways in just this modern era by what he's not and what he and how different he is from all the other climbers and everybody else so so later on i mean we had a full edit of the film and then we're like we really need to introduce my voice to just to explain like yeah sort of as a foil for mark someone for mark to run away from and some and um, I, I love yeah. that. And, and I, and I thought it was so brilliantly executed because it's, it, it then becomes another layer of the film that makes them, you know, I think there is this kind of fallacy that, you know, all of us have fallen, uh, you know, subject to at some point or another, like, okay, the camera shows truth instead of the camera shows the perspective of the filmmakers on a particular person or story or truth. And so talk about the writing of the voiceover and kind of, you know, how many passes are you doing? Are you gut checking that? Are you guys screening along the way? Like, because that's, it, it becomes a, um, you know, a, a signature element of the film that I think is really brilliant and works really well. Yeah, we do so many passes. Nick does the, Nick does a lot of the writing of the, the actual wordsmith. I kind of do a lot of the ideas. I think I came, once we had the idea, I was like, this needs to be the driving thing of the whole movie as I remember it. And Nick and everyone at Red Bull was like, yeah, maybe we could do a little bit of that. And, you know, right. like I could see that a little bit. And I was like, I think this is going to like redefine our entire film. And this is like the film. And then slowly over time, it, we just built the film around, around the narration, um, just as like the, the glue that holds, holds the film together.
So Nick, talk about the writing of it, because it's like, it's this very delicate, fine line that you're where it's, it's very minimalist and yet it's very personal. And it also bridges these kind of essential, um, you know, pivots, narrative pivots in the film. Talk about like your process writing wise. Are you sitting there watching cuts, like sort of, you know, banging out as you go or like, what's your, how do you write? Um, well, it's, it's definitely, it, you know, Pete and I collaborate and, um, I remember this was a fine line because while we did want to sort of embed this in Pete's experience, I mean, so much of like his, you know, 20, 30 years of filmmaking of following these guys was sort of informing, um, you know, his approach to this climber and, and how different he was. Um, and at the same time, I mean, it is, it's such a delicate balance. I mean, I think why the Red Bull, you know, executives were afraid of it is because for good reason, it can really go off the rails or uh, kind of overwhelm uh, a story. Um, it is almost a trope at this point of like documentary filmmakers just kind of tearing down the fourth wall and throwing themselves into the film as just an easy way to like, you know, drive everything forward. Um, so we really tried to also work to pare it back quite a bit yeah. um to 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 allow you know the sort of the, the sort of we're almost trying to just loom as filmmakers in the presence and 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 also like pete said be a foil to to the kind of the purity of intentions that yeah. Yeah. that uh that that and it's funny like we're obviously i was really interesting that you say that um the performance of self um, I, I was listening to your James Marsh episode um, and uh, talking about that and how it actually is in this case, both in the narration as well. Yeah, as yeah the, that's that's exactly the, right. The, 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 the subject. And so I remember it's just it's funny because we try to create a self that's like a little bit crass, a little bit ambitious. Um, sure. We are that way. <laughs> sure, sure. We're out trying to make a film and put it out there and get the audience to cheer, um, you know, especially in comparison to Mark. And what's really funny is the level of like hate that you get from people for like being that kind of a person, even though you've obviously like <laughs> intentionally crafted that personality for the for the filmmakers. Right. Um, and people are like, God, you're such an asshole. Why don't you just leave Mike, Mark alone? Like, you know, he's so pure and you just got to get involved it's like well guys like you, this film probably wouldn't exist if we had it's well it's that, it's so. it's one of the things that makes it a movie right in a fundamental sense is like it's this other layer of tension that's happening and and I think why it is so effective is because you are so minimalist in the writing. It's like one drop too many or one drop too much of being narcissistic or boorish or whatever, like it overwhelms it. But I just thought you guys had the like perfect, um, perfect line of kind of bringing me in in a personal way and understanding the tension, but never overwhelming the narrative. It was just so deftly done. Cool. Thank you. It means a lot coming from you. Thank you. Um, all right. So a couple of craft things, and then I want to, and then I've got a sort of a big philosophical thing that I want to, that I want to take a little time on, which is 
there were a cut like a the cinematography is just full tilt like ravishing in this and there are so many uh moments and i want you to talk about how you are capturing those and the different kind of shooting strategies be it drones be it sort of you know on the ground and, and even to some of those landscapes like that shot of the you know snow-covered mountain and and the and the starry sky was just astonishing talk about the um, you know the cinema the choices in cinematography and finding the right blend of them like how do you get those shots and then how do you like how do you make it all cook so beautifully yeah i think i think i'm right nick we didn't use any drones in this entire film um, uh we used one I small drone at the summit of 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 one of those but yeah pretty much not yeah 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 but i mean we you know i think the advantage of like for us because we're pretty scrappy filmmakers like working with red bull is you can get a like you know you can get more resources like we got a, proper a helicopter aerials you mean fly right <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so we got to do yeah. that a couple times which is huge um but uh you know i think with climbing what i love what we love about filming it and we you know nick and i at this point film very little we have an incredible team of, of people who are like you know these great mountaineers masters yeah masters yeah. are up there with us but i i think just from a directing standpoint it's like climbing is all in the details right like the difference so tactile a, a really difficult climb and a not that difficult climb can be in the quality of the ice or the size of the finger hold and so it's this it's this like microscopic world as a climber but then you're in these spectacular uh you know some of the most beautiful places on earth so going back and forth between that, the, the grandiose and the minute, we just shot a film and the climber was up on stage and it was up in the in the Karakoram in Pakistan. And um, someone asked like, how, like, how does it feel watching this? And he's like, he's like, yeah, I had no idea we were in such a beautiful place. I was just so focused <laughs> on like the little holes in front of me, you know? And so I think that is really, um, compelling as a as a director in the making sh sh filming climbing is that, that um you know this incredible performance and this detailed performance that's happening in these spectacular locations that's a beautiful evocation of that you know it reminds me of you know what michael mann does narratively it's all these like super tight shots and super wide shots and nothing in the middle and so whenever you are cutting between those there's this like there's like the power of each edit is is felt and i didn't uh, like now that i hear you articulate that i'm like yeah of course that's exactly what i was feeling and what i think is also really brilliant about the movie is i don't know anything about climbing my wife's a climber she's like you got to watch this you know, but to me, I'm coming in as this total, you know, virgin novice dummy, not understanding it. And yet I even as someone without a kind of understanding of the of the craft and the skill level involved, there is this sort of precision of detail and beauty and, and sort of fragility to it. And, and like in some ways, this movie was actually like hard to watch because I was like, Jesus Christ, you know, that 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 like uh, waterfall is not touching the wall. It's frozen. And I and I was it was like I felt myself kind of, you know, clenched up in the way that you are like. Like the, the, and the stakes are so high and yet the, the kind of 
calm and peace of the centeredness required to navigate that. And I think he, you know, there's a beautiful, you know, uh, uh, telling of that by, by Mark Andre at a certain point, but, but I, I just, I thought it was just ravishing and thank you for telling me what I was responding so strongly to. Okay. So, so my next question for you craft wise is, the graphics were absolutely amazing. And then I, that sequence where you did the split screens, I've been like waiting for somebody to like reinvent the sc- split screen so I can rip it off in something. You guys have done it. I'm, mar- I'm marking my claim now. I'm going to rip off what you've done. It's awesome. Talk about the, that, um, you know, sort of the use of split screens and then those astonishing graphics. But I'm particularly thinking of the one that's like the flashlight, you know, tracing the face of Egger. And it's like, it's so simple and yet it's so beautiful and, and talk about working with your, you know, your graphics uh, designer and, and kind of how you come to all that and when you come to it. Yeah. So yeah, we are blessed to work with um, a really talented um, graphics artist named Barry Thompson, who's um, the most, he's kind of like the Mark Andre of the graphics world. He's so low key and chill and loves to just basically, you know, feed his chickens out in Missoula, Montana, but um, really is an incredible talent that we've been working with for years and years. Um, he, we worked on a film called Valley Uprising together where a lot of the, the amazing. stuff was from the archive. Yeah. And that was, you know, that Barry's, Barry's genius. Um, and he, together he, he brought on the graphics for that. Rightly yeah. so. That was yeah, just astonishing. Won. That's right. Yeah. And, um, and so, and then, so for the, for, for that line that, that you're talking about too, and we had learned this in Valley Uprising where, you know, we, it was about this place, Yosemite Valley, and we had gone and take, taken thousands of photos uh, from all different angles of the walls and stuff like that, so that he could then composite those and kind of bring them to life um, through, um, you know, a mix of uh, 3D imaging, but also, you know, his whatever a magic he does yeah. to, to do that. Whatever so what that voodoo that is, with, those people with, do. <laughs> yeah, totally. And so he did that. We, we did that with Tori Egger. We had a, a guy ski out there um, and take a bunch of photos of it from all these different angles. And then I believe we used, um, you know, then like it's a, a Google Earth type mapping device. Um, he brought on another guy named Luke Cantola, who's really talented this way to really bring that mountain to life. We weren't, we had no helicopter. We had no, you know, anything out there on this range that is literally like the, like the jaws of a giant predator, like, Mm -hmm. you know, coming out of the glacier out there. So it's so dramatic. And we really wanted to like, you know, uh, evoke that. Um, And so um, that was just very painstakingly created 3D composite. Then, you know, and the other reason why we had to create that is because Mark had gone up there, um, you know, the, our cameraman for the, you know, the, the main ascent of that route had only gone so far with Mark um, before he had to kind of uh, leave him behind. And um, Mark was up there alone. And, um, you know, we still wanted to be able to dramatize that evocation of what yep. Mark, you know, talks about, about being something so small in a world that's so big is really the thing that drew him. And then he's up there with just a tiny little camera, uh, iPhone or something. And that to me was also, you were asking about our filming techniques. It's like, it's such runs the gamut from, uh, 
you know, a sort of B3 helicopter with a, you know, shot over, you know, yep. uh, lens, uh, camera on the bottom to just Mark's little camera. And for me, the most powerful stuff came from that little camera where he's up there high on this mountain um, alone and in in the teeth of an impending Patagonian storm, which, you know, which is just something, the most solitary experience you could ever have. And he kind of pulls out his camera just to send a little message to his girlfriend, Brett, to tell this amazing, that, an amazing uh, moment. He loves her. And um, so being able to combine that with the sort of grandiose uh, graphic uh, rendering of, of the range, what was kind of what we were trying to do. Yeah. You, you did it just astonishingly well. And in that the mixed media um, and then using the sort of, you know, 3d graphics to bridge that, like it, it's such a coherent visual language that you establish from all these disparate elements, which is like, uh, which is a marvel, you know, it's just, it's just brilliantly done. Okay. So I want to pivot to something, which is what I, what I felt in a profound way, um, watching the film was, and, and talk to my wife, you know, at some length about it afterwards was that ending was so, um, I came into it having no idea of the sort of the looming tragedy that was there. Of course, my wife saw it and she, you know, she knows the tragedy before him, but for me, it just knocked me out. And, and, and the, the kind of like philosophical debate that you, um, I guess, sort of ask of the audience, I'm curious what you guys's feelings are. This was a life well lived and it was, you know, tragically cut short, but it was exactly the life that this guy was put on this earth to do. And, and yet, you know, if you look at the history of alpinism, it's just like, there's, there's so many deaths. There's so, you know, there's so like, that is kind of one of the fates that, that kind of befall everyone. And I'm curious what you guys kind of personal, emotional, an intellectual assessment of that is because it was a really, it, it asked the question in a really profound way. And, and I'm curious where, where you guys kind of, what you feel and how you land on it, having spent a life doing this and made this, you know, this beautiful film. Yeah. The, um, I mean, I think it's really, it's complicated, obviously. Um, you know, I think what happened to Mark was not when he was out on one of these, you know, epic, like generation defining solo climbs. And I think that's somewhat important in how you think about this. You know, he was out in a not that not too remote range with a partner climbing on a descent that was, you know, a relatively standard. Um, I mean, the, yeah, the, the, area the safest thing was, we saw in the film and to some extent, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, it wasn't something that you know, we would have felt like was, was, was that we would go out and film, you know, for the movie. And so it was just, you know, Mark being out there and he just, I mean, you know, we've lost a lot of friends in the mountains and people we've filmed with, you know, like dozens. And it's always this assessment and this calculation. And, and I don't know, I don't have a good, answer for it and i think the answer is so personal um and i i'm almost 
reluctant to even put my, you know, like my, my thoughts onto it, onto someone else's his life. And, and, you know, with Mark, I think it was just so clear, like the joy with which he lived and the incredible things that he was doing and the people around him who, you know, his mom and his, his, his partner, Brett, like the people who loved him and knew him best, like also got joy out of mm -hmm. seeing what he was doing and just like feeling his energy when he would come back from these climbs and stuff. And so it's hard to, for me to, you know, condemn that um, and say that's not, you know, he should he should have scaled back or whatever. And on the other hand, I you know I I wouldn't want to just say that everyone should go out and sure and do sure because it's such a personal thing. Well, I mean, it's 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 an unfair question and sort of an unanswerable question, you know, in a fundamental sense because I think it is a a personal decision. But like, I'm curious where 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 your head is at, Nick. Like it, uh, yeah. It, like where, you know, you, the ghosts of those colleagues and friends that you have lost along the way. And yet the, um, I don't know, it was so inspiring. And I, and I think as a parent, I was really touched too by the, by the, by his mother's, um, Hey, this kid doesn't fit into the conventional life and the sort of Mm -hmm. support of that. And then the very honest and raw kind of like reckoning with, okay, well, this ends up being the consequences of it, but what a beautiful life. So I'm, I'm where does your, where does your head, where does your heart, you know, land on it, Nick? Yeah. I mean, my head and heart are really determined, as you mentioned, by the reaction of his mom, his mom, Michelle, um, who, is a really amazing person, very smart and sensitive. And, you know, everything that Mark is, you know, kind of stems from, from her. And, you know, I don't think anyone also lost as much as she did uh, with his passing. I mean, you know, as a parent, <laughs> it's just really clear, like what that would feel like. And so she would have every reason um, to doubt or recriminate or um, just plunge into um, regret in that way. Um, but, you know, this was a woman who, like you say, she had a kid who all too many kids um, like that who are square pegs are forced into the round hole of our sort of educational system and capitalist system. And um, she could tell right away that uh, he was not going to be able to uh, live that um, that normal life, that safe life. And she really let him do what he wanted. And, you know, uh, Mark also has a couple siblings who've also followed their own paths and it might be into punk music, but not uh, solo climbing, but she really allowed her children to follow their own paths and sacrificed a lot of her, uh, you know, um, effort and life to make, to facilitate that, to homeschool Mark when she thought it was necessary um, and take him out into, let him follow him into the woods, into nature. Um, and that's how it all started very organically. You know, kids these days are like, they start, um, most kids these days start rock climbing at, you know, on a, a in a gym uh, somewhere um, on like a competition team or something. And Mark was just very like, much just started just hiking around with a granola bar in his pocket and it came came it, it developed into this and you did see how you know 
if when he lost climbing for that moment in his teenage years, um, he very quickly fell into pretty self-destructive, you know, drug abuse and that climbing and his girlfriend Brett is what sort of brought him back out and her passion for climbing. Um, so, you know, what would have happened to Mark if he hadn't uh, done this thing with his life? Um, I don't know, but he was, you know, following his own path. And, you know, I mean, we, we it is hard for us to comment. I do think we kind of try to launch a defense of that, uh, those choices in this film, because I believe in them. Um, that it doesn't have to be climbing. It's just like what, whatever fires you up, you know? Yeah, it, it, it really, it, it shook me and it moved me and, and sort of beyond as an audience member or a film lover or a filmmaker, just like the big human question of, you know, a life well lived. And it really, that's what it felt like. And it felt like this kind of loving ode to, you know, this beautiful portrait of a mother, the beautiful portrait of this incredible talent, you know, the sort of Michael Jordan of his generation. And, and, and also just a, a testament to, um, living outside the bounds and boundaries of what, you know, is the prescribed life. And, both the sacrifices and beauty that comes of it. And it just, it really, it, it, it deeply moved me. It means a lot to us. Yeah. Um, well, I guess I'll let you guys go. I have 10,000 more questions, but I know that people can only like stomach 40 minutes of podcasts. So I'll, 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 I'll sort of wrap <laughs> it at that, but I, uh, I'm just, you know, I'm such a fan of the work and I'm so excited to see what you do next. And, uh, if I could ever help or do anything or, you know, whatever, reach out and let me know. Cause Dude, I think you guys are amazing. We are we are so honored to be, I was in preparation. I started watching some of these or listening to some of these episodes. It's like a murderer's row of the filmmakers that Pete and I look up to, including yourself. So really, really, really honored. Yeah. It's, thank you, you know, so much for having it's, us. It's so fun because like every single time I sit down with any of you guys, I learned so much. Like, it's just like, oh, so that's how you did it. Like, oh, that's why. And I feel like there's this continuing um, education that's like, you know, comes from talking to the like great people working of which you guys are, you know, among the, um, among the giants. And I'm, I'm so grateful for the time and hopefully, you know, it gets out there and, and inspires other people to, you know, to make, to make cool movies and, and live the good life. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right. I appreciate you guys very much. Thank you, Taylor. Okay. Take care. Okay. Take Bye-bye. care. Thank you to Peter Mortimer and Nick Rosen for making The Alpinist. And thank you to Marc-Andre Leclerc for doing what you did. A special shout out to Jeff Cunningham. See you next time on The Dangerous Art of the Documentary. The Dangerous Art of the Documentary is a Tillerman Films production. Executive producers are Tiller and Fitz. Our producer is Jacob Miller. Music by Zydepunk. The show is executive produced and distributed by Jake Brennan and Brady Sadler for Double Elvis Productions. Thanks for listening, and please, don't forget to subscribe.